Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times News Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 3rd of February 2022, from the news section. Glasgow health bosses warn of importance preventing falls. With Arctic weather forecast to hit Scotland on Friday, older people are being warned to make sure their footwear is up to the job of preventing slips and trips. The warning comes after figures in the most recent Scottish hip fracture audit report revealed more than 7,000 older Scots broke a hip in 2020 after suffering a fall. Hip fractures are the most common reason for older people to require emergency surgery and the most common cause of accidental death. A survey commissioned by Age Concern UK found that hundreds of thousands of older Scots are worried about falling over, with more than a third saying it topped their list of concerns. Carolyn Abrahams, charity director at Age UK, said, Falls are a serious threat to older people's health, well-being and independence, causing pain, distress and loss of confidence. Putting the figures in context, Professor Alistair McLulich, chairman of the Scottish Hip Fracture Audit Steering Group, said, This, quite simply, has been the most difficult period that the NHS has experienced in living memory. The global COVID-19 pandemic caused complex challenges in delivering hip fracture care during 2020. Multiple factors impacted the care of this vulnerable and often frail group of patients. These included staff redeployment to other areas, competing clinical priorities, reconfiguration of services and ward areas, and an overall reduction in staff availability due to self-isolation and or contraction of COVID-19. Recent bad weather put additional strain on NHS services, particularly accident and emergency A&E departments. NHS advice at the time included walking like a penguin, staying indoors and using minor injuries units to take the pressure off A&E staff. Linda DeCastica, Director for Public Health at NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde, said, During winter months, the most common accidents that result in injury are slips, trips and falls. While most result in only minor bumps and bruises, thousands of people are admitted to hospital each year with related injuries. Carolyn added, A pair of sturdy shoes with non-slip soles are worth their weight in gold, as they may prevent a nasty tumble and resultant injury. George Rogers is doing his bit to try and take the pressure off the NHS. He runs Max on Sockey Hall Street, now Glasgow's only independent cobbler and locksmith. He said, people, and particularly older people, need to make sure that their shoes have an effective non-slip sole. 
We offer a 10% discount to pensioners all year round, so nobody needs to wait for the bad weather to make sure their footwear keeps them safe on slippery streets. From the Glasgow Times, Thursday the 3rd of February 2022, from the news section. Glasgow man who pretended to have coronavirus after failing to provide breath test avoids jail by Connor Gordon. A man who pretended to have coronavirus after failing to provide breath samples to police avoided jail yesterday. Comitat Rostas, 29, was alleged to be drink driving by officers in Glasgow's Cathcart on May 3rd, 2021. He was arrested and advised police he had had no symptoms of the virus. Following his failure to give officers two samples of breath, Rostas told officers that he had symptoms as well as a positive test. It was later discovered that Rostas had never taken a PCR test. Rostas pled guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court to behaving in a threatening or abusive manner. He also admitted failing to cooperate with a breath test without a reasonable excuse. Sheriff Johanna Johnston QC put Rostas of the city's Govan Hill on a tag, keeping him indoors between 7pm and 7am. He was also placed under supervision for 12 months, ordered to do 150 hours of unpaid work and disqualified from driving for 18 months. The court heard officers on patrol had reason to stop Rustus's vehicle at 1am. Officers believed Rustus was under the influence of alcohol during their conversation. After the roadside process was carried out, Rustus was arrested. Prosecutor Laura Bradley said he was asked if he had symptoms of coronavirus or was a contact with somebody infected and he replied, no, no coronavirus. No PPE or a caged vehicle was required as a result and he was taken to a police station. He was later asked to provide two samples of breath for testing which he purposefully failed to do properly. As a result, he was charged and made no reply. Rostus was told he would be kept in a cell overnight before his court appearance the following day. Miss Bradley said Rostus then said he had symptoms of coronavirus and he had been unwell for some time. He said he had been tested and when asked for the results he replied in English, not good. Ms Bradley informed the court that an NHS check revealed that there was no evidence of Rostus doing a PCR test. Daniel O'Hagan, defending, told the court he is working in a car wash and lives with his parents and has a two-year-old daughter. This article was by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times of Thursday the 3rd of February 2022, from the Opinion section, The Labour View, reading women's contributions on Safe Routes Home in Glasgow, was eye-opening. By Eva Murray. I have lived in Glasgow my whole life. I truly believe, as I have said in past columns, that it is one of the greatest cities in the world, if not the greatest. We are praised by those who visit us as being friendly and welcoming. We are known globally for our music scene and our growing food scene is garnering a brilliant reputation. But as proud Glaswegians, we often forget the darker, more sinister side of our city, in which many especially women, still do not feel safe walking home after a certain time 
or decide to take a different route simply to avoid an area. I recently discovered an initiative which has been set up by the Wise Women organisation in partnership with Glasgow Girls Club, Commonplace and Glasgow Violence Against Women's Partnership. It is an interactive survey with the aim to find out more about women's experiences of harassment and abuse in public places within the city. Through an interactive map, women can highlight areas of the city where they do not feel safe, why they don't and, crucially, point out what could be done to make things better. Reading the contributions was eye-opening. For some, it was the underpasses or tunnels with the lack of lighting and no mirrors to see who may be walking behind you. They were seen as high up on the list with one woman even sharing her story of being assaulted in the northwest of the city. There were also contributions from workers at our city's hospitals commenting that the poor lighting, violent crimes and infrequent public transport connections made staff feel vulnerable, especially when it is late. Another consistent red flag is Glasgow's parks. In recent years they have been the sites of horrific murders and sexual assaults, These were the points raised by contributors with a number feeling unable to walk or jog through them when it became dark. The common issues which reappear across the map are that of poor lighting, lack of reliable public transport and of the need to educate men about gender-based violence. Glasgow Labour have a track record of leading on and supporting this type of work whether it was in December when my colleague councillor Joe Brown successfully gained cross-party support for her Light the Way motion, which aims to better light our parks, our continuous campaigning for a public transport network that is run in the interest of people, not profit, or the work we have been proud to achieve when it comes to tackling gender-based violence. We are moving in the right direction, but the initiative of wise women should refocus our minds and remind us of the work we still have to do and the need for it to be achieved as soon as possible. This article was by Eva Murray. From the Glasgow Times of Thursday the 3rd of February 2022, from the opinion section... The Nicola Sturgeon column, it's important we still exercise caution over COVID. Our collective efforts have helped secure the welcome progress that Scotland has made over the past few weeks in tackling the Omicron variant of COVID. This progress is real and I am hopeful it can be sustained in the weeks ahead. I know that many people will now be enjoying getting back to normal again and getting to go to concerts, shows, sporting occasions and other events. However, to make sure we keep moving in the right direction, it is important that we still exercise appropriate care and caution. Protective measures like wearing face coverings and doing lateral flow tests before going out and socialising help keep us safe. 
Taking these basic precautions help us protect each other, whilst allowing us all to get on with our daily lives, and most importantly, it protects those who are still at a high risk of catching the virus and getting seriously ill. As we look forwards and towards a cautious return to normality, I will do all I can to ensure that Scotland's recovery addresses the impact of the pandemic on the most vulnerable and tackles some of the deep-seated inequalities in our society. The last two years have seen the greatest period of upheaval in our society and economy since the Second World War, and our economic response must be ambitious if we are to build a fair, green and sustainable recovery. However, we currently face challenging economic circumstances with rising inflation and increased costs of living. As with Covid itself, the impacts of this will not be equal across society. Amidst a perfect storm of Tory cuts, tax hikes, rising energy bills and inflation and falling wages, the Resolution Foundation has warned that 2022 will be the year of the squeeze. The cost of living crisis is increasing on an almost daily basis. From April, average household bills are set to rise by around £700. Food Poverty campaigner Jack Monroe, in a striking Twitter thread last week, illustrated the shockingly steep price increases in basic supermarket items like pasta, rice and baked beans. It's clear that these rapidly rising costs will hit the poorest families in our society hardest and emergency measures to support households must be taken by the Westminster government, which holds many of the key powers needed to make a difference. The Scottish government will do everything we can to mitigate the rising costs hitting families across the country. With direct support, such as our £41 million winter fund, a range of new benefits aimed at low-income households and the doubling of the Scottish child payment to £20 a week. We have also written to the UK government outlining the urgent action we believe they can and must take to tackle rising energy bills, which I know people across the country are worried about. However, key powers do currently remain reserved to Westminster, including around 85% of welfare expenditure. And damaging Tory policies like the £20 cut to universal credit continue to undermine the progress we are trying to deliver in Scotland. In fact, new research, which shows that the Scottish Government is being forced to spend almost £600 million per year just to mitigate policies imposed upon us by the UK Government, including the so-called bedroom tax. Despite the rapidly rising cost of living, we also have a Government at Westminster totally preoccupied with self-inflicted scandal and a Prime Minister focused only on saving his own skin rather than on supporting the thousands of households struggling to heat their homes and put food on the table. 
It is the basic duty of any government to protect people from poverty and deliver support. Yet we are currently grappling with a real crisis which the Prime Minister refuses to lift a finger to tackle. It's clear that Boris Johnson is too caught up in scandal to do the basics of his job. And at this most critical of times, as we continue our path through COVID and face the cost of living crisis, he has lost the trust of people across the UK. If Boris Johnson cares about the needs and interests of people across the country, he will do the decent thing and step aside. Of course, while the conduct of the current inhabitant of Downing Street raises real issues about character and integrity, the issue is much deeper and more fundamental than the shortcomings of Boris Johnson as an individual. That he was able to become PM in the first place poses real questions for the Tory party, but it also shines a very harsh light on the culture of entitlement and contempt that seems to pervade the whole Westminster system. Time and again, Scotland finds itself at the mercy of parties and leaders at Westminster that we don't support, but who still get to impose damaging policies and decisions upon us. We can do so much better than that. Independence is not a magic wand for any nation, but for Scotland, it would put our future in our own hands and allow us to build a better country together. This article was by Nicola Sturgeon. You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 4th of February 2022. News. Bishop William Nolan appointed new Archbishop of Glasgow by Esther Tarnay, reporter. The Pope has appointed Glasgow's new Archbishop today. William Nolan, who is the current Bishop of Galloway, was appointed today and will be installed as successor of St Mungo in St Andrew's Cathedral on February 26th. He said, I feel overwhelmed by the trust Pope Francis is putting in me by appointing me as Archbishop of Glasgow. It will be a wrench for me to leave Galloway Diocese, where for seven years I have experienced the kindness and friendship of so many people, particularly the clergy. God truly blessed me by sending me to Galloway, and I hope that my successor there will be similarly blessed. As I overcome my initial shock at being appointed Archbishop, my thoughts now turn to the challenges that lie ahead. I look forward to working with everyone in the Archdiocese, laity and clergy to carry out the mission that we share of proclaiming God's good news and of bringing the joy of the gospel into the lives of the people of today. I am well aware of my own inadequacies and of the difficulties the Church faces today. Thank God, therefore, that we can be sure of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in the Church. As I leave the Diocese of Galloway behind, from now on I belong to Glasgow and I assure the people of Glasgow of my commitment and dedication to them. Please remember me in your prayers. The Archbishop-elect was ordained a priest for the Diocese of Motherwell in 1977 and has been the Bishop of Galloway since 2014. He succeeds Philip Tartaglia, who passed away on January 13th, 2021. As we reported at the time, he was found dead at his home following a period of self-isolation after a positive Covid test. This article was by Esther Tarnay. 
You're listening to the Glasgow Times as published on Friday the 4th of February 2022. News. New Glasgow Job Centre helps dozens of young people back into work by Lauren Gilmer, Facebook community reporter. Glasgow is home to a brand new temporary job centre helping dozens of young people back into work. Job coaches at the Ibrox Youth Hub say they feel like they are changing lives by supporting people back into employment. James Savage, who works at the centre, said, I love my job. I feel like I'm changing lives here. I work to get to know the young people on my caseload at a more personal level. I learn of their barriers and their ambitions, pull on my life experience without passing any judgment. This allows the young person to open up more and we can work together to address the barriers and move them to a positive destination. This may be working with another provider, working with our trauma counsellor service, practice interviews to prepare them. Ibrooks comes as part of a UK government campaign to get 500,000 people a job by the end of June. The Department for Work and Pensions have rapidly recruited 13,500 new work coaches to provide face-to-face coaching to move into employment. Minister for Employment Mims Davies MP said, Our team of work coaches in job centres and youth hubs across Scotland are at the forefront of efforts to help people prepare for employment, move into work and increase their earnings. From its world-famous whisky production to careers in the thriving cities of Edinburgh and Glasgow, Scotland is home to a diverse range of fantastic job opportunities. The new sites are levelling up opportunity by giving claimants of all ages more face-to-face tailored help to get into work or progress in their career. UK Government Minister for Scotland Ian Stewart said, It's great news that these job centres and youth hubs have opened across Scotland, with even more set to open their doors in the coming months. They will help job seekers back into work and support young people to take those first crucial steps in their careers. Payroll employees in Scotland are increasing at a greater monthly percentage than anywhere else in the UK, but there's still work to be done to match more people with jobs in the sectors that need them most. This article was by Lauren Gilmer. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 4th February 2022, from the Lifestyle section. Aldi reveals £10 Valentine's Day menus for two, including wine. By Kieran Doody. Aldi has revealed its Valentine's Day menus, including a heart-shaped three-course meal. The budget supermarket chain has revealed its romantic meals for two, including a three-course meal with wine for less than £10. There are four set menus to choose from, which will be available from 9th February. You also don't have to stick to the set menus. You can mix and match the dishes if you prefer. What are the four Valentine's set menus? Aldi is offering a special heart-shaped three-course meal for just £5.17, or £19.16 with wine. It features mini garlic pizza breads, lobster pasta and pancakes, and a bottle of Prosecco. Meat eaters can enjoy the set menu of Wagyu pies with triple cooked chips and chocolate profiteroles for £10.47. Pairing a bottle of grapevine Argentinian Malbec wine will bump the price to £14.46. The next menu is for seafood lovers, including a prawn and scallop thermidor 
followed by a prawn and white wine salmon wellington. You can add a potato d'affonois and a bottle of Cambabala Sauvignon Blanc wine for £14.16. Lastly, the vegan Valentine option is two plant-based burgers, a vegetable medley and a vegan molten middle heart with a bottle of Merlot for £10.16. How does it compare to last year? Last year, there was no official meal deal, but the cheapest combo you could have got was £7.55, not including booze. You could have had chicken wings with buffalo and blue cheese sauce to start for £1.69, for main two vegan no-beef bourguignon pies at £1.69 each, with a side of heart-shaped garlic bread at 99 p to finish, you could have had 36 mini pancakes for just £1.49. Aldi also had Scottish oysters, sirloin steaks, duck with plum sauce and profiteroles on the menu last year. What are other supermarkets offering? Asda has revealed its Valentine's Day meal bundles for couples this week, which includes heart-shaped toffee puddings and a free Sky Movies voucher. The store has also released a £1 engagement ring this week for those looking to pop the question this Valentine's. Poundland is also selling a £1 engagement ring, as it has done for many years. That article was by Kieran Doody. This article is from The National, date 4th February 2022, from the Culture section. James McAvoy says Scottish independence could be a fantastic thing. By Craig Meehan. Scottish actor James McAvoy has said Scottish independence could be a fantastic thing. The Hollywood star told The Guardian that independence needs to be done for the right reasons. The X-Men actor, who was raised in Drumchapel, said Scotland shouldn't define itself against its relationship with England. He suggested independence should win on its own merits, not just because a certain Prime Minister or government is bad. He said, The fact that Boris and his company of people who enjoyed a drink while they were telling everybody not to isn't necessarily something that will make me go, oh yes, Scottish independence, even though he is iconic of an educational and elitist class system that plays into Scottish independence massively. Independence could be a fantastic thing, but it needs to be done for the right reasons. Don't choose it just because we don't like Boris. Choose it because we want it. We can't just define ourselves by our relationship with England. I'm sick of that. McAvoy's comments came as Boris Johnson comes over increased pressure to resign over potentially law-breaking parties held in Downing Street throughout the COVID pandemic. The split actor said Partygate isn't hugely surprising to him, considering the current state of politics in the UK. I've been disappointed in our political system for decades, he said. So the fact that it's letting us down isn't a massive shocker. McAvoy deplored the type of politician the current UK system produces. He said, I think the system relentlessly produces people that disappoint. On Partygate, he said, we're not even asking that they be held to a higher standard and they can't even fucking do that. 
McAvoy has previously been more on the fence on independence. In a statement ahead of the 2014 vote, he said, I don't trust politicians at all, and I don't really think that actors, i.e. professional liars, are the best people to be commenting and to be backing up other professional liars, i.e. politicians. I'll go with my country, no, no matter what way they vote. I just hope that my country follows its heart and its gut, rather than listening to redundant political debate. If you vote one way or another because you believe in some political promise, five or ten years from now, it's going to be a new guy in that chair with a different political agenda. And you have voted to change your country forever because of a semi-permanent promise made by some guy who may or may not deliver. McAvoy said unification or separation will last forever. He continued, so I feel like it's actually got to be an emotional decision, not a political one. I know that's kind of strange and I'm not an anti-political person, but I feel that this decision should be a gut-led choice. That article was by Craig Meehan. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 7th of February. News. Dog owners issued warning over mystery illness thought to be COVID. An article written by Kieran Doody, UK trending editor. A mystery illness spreading among dogs across the UK is thought to be caused by a form of coronavirus, experts have said. Dog owners have warned their canine friends have been falling seriously ill with sickness and diarrhoea after going on walks, with the first case reported on the Yorkshire coastline. The bug then spread inland to other parts of England, including Leeds and Kirklees, and now leading experts in infectious diseases believe they know why. It's thought the sudden wave of cases could be caused by a type of coronavirus, with canine enteric coronavirus, or CEC, being one of the top candidates for the infection. Professor Alan Radford, an expert in veterinary health informatics at the University of Liverpool, has been investigating the abnormally high rate of sickness and diarrhoea occurring in dogs. He's been working as part of a specialist team headed by the Small Animal Veterinary Surveillance Network, or SAVSNET, which revealed new data that might pinpoint a possible cause. While CEC is thought to be the most probable cause for the sickness, investigations are still ongoing. Professor Radford told Yorkshire Live, analysis of real-time data collected by SAVSNET from veterinary practices suggests that in Yorkshire, levels of disease have been statistically higher than we would expect for three weeks. We can therefore call this an outbreak in Yorkshire. In other regions, the increases we've seen so far look more like normal seasonal variation. However, such signals can change quickly and we'll continue to monitor the situation. Despite its name, CEC is not linked to the virus that causes COVID-19 and does not pose a risk to dog owners or those that may come into contact with infected dogs. Coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that cause illness which range from the common cold to more severe diseases. The types of coronavirus may share no other similarities apart from being part of the same extended family. CEC has been around for far longer than COVID-19, which is a new strain that has not been previously identified in humans, and historically has only produced a relatively mild illness in dogs, despite affecting several thousands per year across the globe. Owners have been advised to limit contact with other dogs if their pets start showing symptoms of sickness and diarrhoea. The illness will usually resolve on its own, and affected dogs should make a full recovery. 
However, if symptoms worsen, the condition persists or dogs show signs of distress, owners are advised to seek advice from a vet. An article written by Kieran Doody. From the Glasgow Times on Monday the 7th of February. News. Glasgow woman turned on police after Cardonald party. An exclusive article by Katrina Stewart, columnist and reporter. A woman turned on police who were trying to help her by kicking one in the stomach and attempting to bite another. Officers were forced to put a spit hood over Lynn McDermott when she started kicking off on January the 27th, 2020. Deputy Fiscal Jennifer Gilmore told Glasgow Sheriff Court how, around 2.15 in the morning, officers were called to a flat on Tinwald Path. McDermott was there but was no longer welcomed by the hosts. Police asked her to leave and then escorted her out of the flat, but in the common close, the 36-year-old slumped to the floor. Officers attempted to help her to her feet, but she kicked out at one of the police. They then informed McDermott from Cardonald she was under arrest for police assault and was taken to Helen Street Station. In the custody suite, one officer was holding her shoulders while she was sitting on a bench and she turned her head in an attempt to bite the officer on the hand. The officer was able to pull her hand away, but a spit hood had to be placed over McDermott's head. McDermott then kicked out, booting another female officer in the stomach. Her defence brief said, when she was placed in a cell, she calmed down. It's safe to say, milady, that there's been a significant gap in her offending. Her last arrest was in 2015 and conviction in 2016. She developed a dependency on alcohol and is involved in drug misuse, but she is making some effort to try and deal with that herself. Sheriff Diana McConnell expressed concern that the Criminal Justice Social Work report said that McDermott believed being assaulted at work was an occupational hazard. She said, that's an attitude which I find disgusting. But McDermott's lawyer said those words are not in her range of vocabulary and that the report had been written by quite a young social worker. He added, This is not a view she holds. When I was going over the report with her, my client was tearful. She knows that if she carries on like this, she's going to prison sooner rather than later. Sheriff McConnell placed McDermott on a community payback order with 12-month supervision and a conduct requirement to attend addiction counselling. She was also tagged for 54 days, keeping her at home from 7pm to 7am and will have to appear in court again in three months. An exclusive article written by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times on Monday the 7th of February. News. Glasgow's new education boss on plans for schools. An exclusive article by Katrina Stewart, columnist and reporter. Glasgow's schools have been under the same stewardship for 14 years, but now the baton has been passed to a new Director of Education. And Douglas Hutchison is starting his new role with a vow to transform the city's education from good to great to prepare pupils for taking on the world. Under former Director Maureen McKenna, schools underwent a wholesale transformation, but Douglas believes there's more to do. He said... I'm impressed by the fact that Glasgow, in terms of education, is such a success story. It's embraced the challenges and is doing very well by any standard. What Maureen has done and what everyone working together has done successfully is focus hard on a small number of really important priorities. So to come in and change that focus would be a mistake. Douglas, who moved from South Ayrshire Council, where he was Deputy Chief Executive, said prioritising both nurture and the fundamentals of literacy and numeracy have been key to improving attainment in Glasgow. 
He added, you get a sense that schools genuinely take ownership of all their children and young people. They embrace them, and that's why exclusions have come down, because the culture changed. The next step for me is working with head teachers, working with the central team, and asking what does success look like for us now. During Douglas's tenure, he aims to make sure young people leave school with more than qualifications and wants state school pupils to be instilled with the same level of confidence as private school youngsters. He said, an education system going from good to great, that's the journey that Glasgow's on. We want young people to leave ready to take on their place in the world, ready to challenge the world, ready to take on the injustices. I don't want to get into criticising independent schools, but the question for me is, how do we make sure our children and young people leave school with that level of confidence, that they leave school feeling that sense of owning the world, the world is theirs? In order to achieve that outcome, we need to find experiences our young people need to have and find a way to measure those experiences, and I don't think that's easy. Douglas mentions the Duke of Edinburgh Award and Blevarach Outdoor Education Centre, which was narrowly saved from closure in 2020, as examples of experiences that boost pupils' skills. His aim is to work with pupils, staff and parents across the city to find out what else will help young people become well-rounded and confident. He added, That's not something I dream up from the city chambers here in my splendid isolation. That's something we do collectively, and we start with the seed of an idea. Together we determine what success looks like in Glasgow and we refocus the Glasgow Improvement Challenge. There's plenty of work still to do, but it's about building on what's here. Douglas has been in post for three weeks and has been out visiting schools to gain a sense of what's important in Glasgow. Some have been short-notice visits, including one with just ten minutes warning, but pupils have not been phased by having the new education boss in school. After 17 years in South Ayrshire, Douglas says he has no sense of missing the local authority and feels at home in Glasgow already, thanks to the warm welcome. He's also been struck by the diversity in city schools after South Ayrshire, where only 1.4% of the population is not white Scottish. Douglas, who was a Catholic priest for 13 years and who worked as Principal Educational Psychologist and Education Scotland Inspector, also takes over Glasgow schools as they recover from the worst of the pandemic. He said, I've been hugely impressed throughout the pandemic the way schools have handled things. No matter what's happened, they've just handled things, and as an institution, they've been incredibly flexible and incredibly child-centred. The period from August to now has been more challenging, because previously the schools were just closed and everybody was in the same boat, but now there's more disruption in having a class off, having teachers having to cover other teachers, and we're not out of it yet. He said he hopes from August this year the situation will be more normal, while the lessons of the pandemic will be woven into learning and teaching, such as improved use of IT. When Maureen retired, her advice to Douglas was to love Glasgow, and he's following that guidance. Maureen left the place in great shape. I don't want to crash the bus. An exclusive article by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times on Monday the 7th of February. News. Prisoner tried to attack Glasgow Barlini guard with sharpened knife. An exclusive article by Connor Gordon, court reporter. A prisoner tried to attack a guard with a sharpened knife. Mohammed Ahmadi turned on Alan Whiteside at Glasgow's Balini prison on March the 26th last year. 
The 24-year-old also kicked the officer in the thigh during the assault in the prison's sea hall. Ahmadi, a first offender on remand, pleaded guilty last week at Glasgow Sheriff Court to assaulting Mr Whiteside. He also admitted possession of a sharpened plastic knife in prison. The court heard Mr Whiteside attended Ahmadi's cell at 7.20am, taking morning requests. Prosecutor Emma Baker said he unlocked the cell door and Ahmadi lunged towards Mr Whiteside, holding a prison-issue plastic knife. Mr Whiteside stepped back to avoid him, and as he was doing so, Ahmadi kicked him in the left thigh. An assistance request was made, and Ahmadi was escorted from his cell. The knife was later seized and noted to be sharpened to a point. Sentence was deferred until the end of the month, pending background reports by Sheriff Ian Fleming, who continued his remand in custody meantime. An exclusive article by Connor Gordon. From the Glasgow Times, Monday the 7th of February. News. Schools to get computer science grants for STEM learning. An article by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Every primary and secondary school across Scotland will receive support to refresh computing science for pupils. The Scottish Government said it is providing £1.3 million for secondary schools to bid for grants of up to £3,000 to purchase additional computing science equipment, devices, software or teaching resources. Every school will also receive two class sets of pocket-sized computers that introduce pupils to how software and hardware work together. In August 2020, Mark Logan's Independent Scottish Technology Ecosystem Review recommended increased investment to improve computing science provision in schools. Education Secretary Shirley-Anne Somerville said it's essential that we have as many talented young people leaving schools with the skills Scotland's technology sector and wider economy fundamentally depends upon. This investment aims to refresh computing science lessons for learners equipping them with the skills that they need for careers in tech. Mark Logan, chair of the Scottish Technology Ecosystem Review, said it's vital to the future supply of talent into Scotland's tech sector that computer science at school level is elevated to the same level of importance as other science, technology, engineering and math, or STEM, subjects. The additional funding for computing science announced by the Scottish Government and the formation of Scottish Teachers Advancing Computing Science, or STACS, which makes teachers major participants in advancing the subject in Scotland, are key building blocks on the way to that goal. Tony Scullion and Brendan McCart are part of STACS, an organisation based at the University of Glasgow, to spread best practice in computing science in schools, said, We're delighted to be appointed as co-leads of STACS. This is an incredible opportunity for computing science and we are looking forward to working with the dedicated teachers across Scotland who are delivering computing science in schools. An article by Stuart Patterson. From the Glasgow Times on Monday the 7th of February. News. Playdrome in Clydebank, site of former leisure centre set to be sold for more than £5 million. An article by Ava White, reporter. The site of the former Playdrome Leisure Centre in Clydebank is set to be sold off, a new report has revealed. Members of a key Western Bartonshire Council committee will be asked to approve the sale of the site on Abbotsford Road for more than £5 million at a meeting later this month. A report prepared for the Authority's Infrastructure, Regeneration and Economic Development Committee, or IRED, recommends that the site should be sold to Miller Homes for 116 three-bedroom houses. 
If approved by the IRAD members, the sale is expected to net the council £5.675 million. The Playdrome closed in 2017 on the opening of the new Clydebank Leisure Centre at Queen's Quay and demolition was completed in October last year. In December 2020, prior to the start of demolition work, a video was posted on the abandoned YouTube channel showing urban explorers entering and exploring the derelict building. The news comes after two failed attempts to sell the site for non-residential use. Supermarket chain Tesco was originally earmarked as the preferred developer, but they later withdrew, and the subsequent attempt to sell the site to Henry Boot Developments also fell through. The report's author state, At the closing date, six proposals were received from developers, three of which were non-compliant bids, as they did not contain minimum guaranteed price. Capital offers ranged from $2,685,000 to $5,675,300. All of the proposals that were submitted presented housing developments. The proposed design is currently for 116 residential units, with a mix of three-bedroom units including townhouses and canal frontage. Members of the IRED committee will be asked to approve the sale of the site when they meet on Wednesday, February the 16th. An article written by Eva White. Evening Times, February 7. Opinion. John Molyneux says that extra funding will not fix every problem at Glasgow City Council. By the time I write my next fortnightly column, the Council will have set its annual budget for 2022-23. Before then, There will be much discussion and debate, both within and between political groups, on what the priorities should be and how different needs can best be balanced. I have been closely involved in every budget this council term, and there have never been easy decisions to make. But until just over a week ago, this year was looking like the hardest yet. Thankfully, After United Front presented by all parties across local government, an extra £120 million was added into the budget settlement for local councils. I am grateful to Green MSPs who listened to myself and Green Councillor colleagues from across Scotland making clear the urgent need for change. The extra funding will not fix every problem. We still have to find savings and raise income to balance local budgets. Even more importantly, we need to break the almost total control that the Scottish Government has over local budgets. I will never stop making the case for having real financial and political power held locally. Nevertheless, it does mean we can set the budget this year with less immediate pressure on services or on residence bills. Scottish Greens will bring forward budget proposals that respond to what communities are telling us they want. That will include investing in cleansing services. We need to support frontline workers and make it easier for people to do the right thing with their rubbish as well as changing the culture that leads to so much being wasted. Greens will always champion a zero-waste agenda. Our budget will also include support for local venues. 
It's just a few weeks since the reopening of all of Glasgow's libraries was made possible thanks to short-term cash from the Scottish Government after inspiring local campaigns. This year, Glasgow Life's income is due to go up after Greens demanded funding restoration. That will be enough to keep all libraries open unless other groups, all of whom planned to rip £5 million out of local venues last year, are foolish enough to reverse it. The fight for other local venues goes on. The cost of living crisis is really starting to bite and those on the lowest incomes are being hit hardest. Last year, Greens created a £2 million fund to help the most vulnerable coming out of the pandemic. It will be vital that our citizens get the help they need in the months ahead. Finally, we want to accelerate climate action. Greens have forced the climate and nature emergencies to the top of the agenda this council term, and we are now starting to see solid plans come forward to tackle high sources of emissions like transport. Greens are already making a difference. Our £10 million Climate Action Fund is taking the Council's most polluting vehicles off the road and we have delivered 30 permanent car-free schools. But we need to accelerate ambition and help more people cut carbon right now. Green councillors will present a budget that makes a difference and moves Glasgow going forward. In doing so, we will show that it's Greens who can be trusted to deliver for the climate and all our communities, says John Molino. Evening Times, February 7. Lifestyle. Glasgow Memories, when the army took over a Drumchapel farm. Report by Anne Fotheringham. On a farm just outside Glasgow during World War II, women of the ATS worked hard in one of the first mixed units of the British Army. The ATS, Auxiliary Territorial Service, was formed from the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps, the WAAC, which had been disbanded after the end of World War I. More than 250,000 women served in the ATS during the Second World War, making it the largest of the women's services. The first recruits were employed as cooks, clerks and storekeepers, but duties were eventually expanded and the ATS members worked as orderlies, drivers, postal workers and ammunition inspectors. Because of shortages of men, Women were also recruited to become radar operators and part of the crews of anti-aircraft batteries, military police and searchlight regiments. Incidentally, the current Queen, then Princess Elizabeth, joined the Women's Auxiliary Territorial Service at the age of 18, training in London as a mechanic and military truck driver. She remains the only female member of the royal family to have entered the armed forces and is the only living head of state who served in World War II. 
Eric Flack, who lives in Drumchapel, recalls the farmer at Gascaden Mains telling him what it had been like to have the ATS stationed there. He says, The Buchanans farmed there. Both brothers had served in World War I and were none too enamoured by the officer class. One of them was a farrier and worked with the horses of war horse fame. Old Buchanan wasn't that pleased about having his best potato field taken over by the army. He was quite clever about it though and persuaded the army to let the lads and lassies work around the farm in between their duties. He got them weeding the turnip fields, cutting logs and gascaden wood, and learning to use the plough. He even had them planting potatoes around the gun pits. It was like something out of Dad's army. Eric has a photo given to him by the wife of a second lieutenant who served on the Drumchapel gun site. Says Eric, Frank Baird was there in September 1941. He wrote about his experiences many years later, not just about the gun site, but about what it was like to live in Scotland. New Year parties and Burns suppers were a whole new experience. Frank went on to be a university lecturer and he lived in the south of England. In the photo given to me by his wife, he is pictured with a group of ATS women, although they did not want to be known as ATS, as they wore Royal Artillery's men's uniforms at the heavy ACAC site at Gascaden Mains. I have tried over the years to find out more about them, but with no luck. It was something like the second or third mixed unit to be set up, and they had lots of photos taken before being posted to near Bishop Briggs. That was too near the bright lights of Glasgow, so they were quickly moved to Garscadden, now part of Jedworth Avenue in Drumchapel. By 1941, there were something like 80 women and 80 men working on this site. Eric also has an aerial photograph of the Garscadden main site, and he says, you can see the craters left by the bombs. It's quite something. The Gascaden gun site was operational during the Clydebank Blitz, explains Eric. It was a radar-controlled gun site that could detect German planes up to 30 miles away. The site was upgunned in 1947-48 during the Cold War. The army moved out in 1955 when the RAF took over air defence. Drumchapel was being built all round it by then. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of February 2022, from the news section. New report into dealings at Tory Glen's scandal-hit Thistle Housing by Katrina Stewart. A scandal-hit housing association overpaid contractors on a bungled major works programme, it has emerged. It has now come to light that failed Thistle Housing Association, which botched upgrades to 700 Tory Glen homes, paid contractor Eon extra money without taking legal advice. The Glasgow Times first started telling of resident woes in 2016, 
when issues first emerged about the handling of energy upgrade works paid for with £8.5 million of Scottish Government and Glasgow City Council money. Despite repeated questioning, none of the parties involved have admitted to how much taxpayer and residential cash was squandered by the project. Now, a new Scottish Housing Regulator report into the fiasco reads, Thistle had also made a payment to the major works programme contractor that exceeded the contractual amount due without first taking appropriate legal or professional advice. This had adverse implications for Thistle on a subsequent contractual dispute. Despite attempts by the watchdog to reverse Thistle's fortune, the beleaguered organisation was eventually transferred to Sanctuary Scotland, a larger social landlord. Sanctuary can only say that the financial dealings were before it became involved and Thistle no longer exists. At the time, the organisation told the Glasgow Times the works would generate no additional costs, despite initially being predicted to take 12 weeks and then running for more than four years. The regulator's report adds, Thistle told stakeholders that there would be no additional costs as a result of the required remedial works to the properties included in the major works programme. The independent review of the works programme in October 2019 confirmed that there were significant unquantified liabilities in relation to a range of necessary roof, render and window remedial works. These costs were not accounted for in Thistle's plans. The Scottish Housing Regulator has given an update on its findings regarding the Southside Housing Association. A report gives detail on multiple wide-ranging failures, including the financial issues at Thistle. It further adds, Thistle did not understand its role as a property factor and did not have structures and systems in place which distinguished clearly between this and its landlord function. Deficiencies in Thistle's approach meant that it was liable to factored owners for the quality of the work in the major works programme. As a result, Thistle carries a significant amount of owner's death from both the previous and current major works programme, which it has made little effort to recover. It also covered the significant cost of works to reinstate owner's gardens damaged during the work programme. The Scottish Housing Regulator first stepped in to quiz Thistle on the Major Works Programme in November 2016 and in August 2018 appointed a statutory manager and five members to Thistle's governing body. Interventions failed and in October 2019 Thistle decided it was in the best interests of residents to seek a transfer. The transfer to Sanctuary Scotland was completed in March 2021. Energy-saving works in Tory Glen should have taken 12 weeks to carry out, but were still underway four years later, causing stress and anxiety to residents. Thanks to campaigning from locals, issues were brought to public attention in this newspaper, and the watchdog parachuted in experienced staff to support inept workers. The report repeatedly mentions negative media attention, and that Thistle failed to report this to the regulator. It says only 6% of around 700 properties had been finished by the intended November 2016 completion date and makes mention of gas leaks at the site which we reported at the time. The report adds 
Thistle had not reported the gas leaks or the negative media attention to us and its governing body in accordance with the statutory notifiable events guidance. Thistle's approach had severely damaged its relationship with local residents and attracted continuing negative media attention. Dealing with the media cover and resident concerns used a significant amount of Thistle's resources which would otherwise have been focused on addressing its issues. The damage to Thistle's reputation also had the potential to damage the reputation of the sector. Now that Thistle has been taken over by Sanctuary Scotland, it is no longer registered with the watchdog and the report is the final document to be published about the long-running saga. A spokesman for Sanctuary Scotland said, We are continuing to work closely with residents in Tory Glen, in line with the commitment provided during the transfer of Thistle housing. Millions of pounds are being invested to improve not just housing in the area, but also the community itself. This article was by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Tuesday the 8th of April 2022, from the news section. Young Terrace Springburn. Man found dead in unexplained circumstances by Sarah Campbell. A man has been found dead in Springburn this morning. Police were called to Young Terrace at around 9.50am today, Tuesday, February the 8th. Although the 52-year-old man was originally reported as injured, on arrival emergency services pronounced him dead at the scene. A photograph obtained by the Glasgow Times shows a larger police presence on the residential street this morning, including multiple police vehicles and an ambulance. A police spokesperson said, Around 9.50am on Tuesday the 8th of February 2022, police received a report of a man injured within a flat in Young Terrace, Springburn, Glasgow. Emergency services attended and the 52-year-old man was pronounced dead at the scene. Inquiries are ongoing to establish the exact circumstances of the death, which police are treated as unexplained at this time. A report will be sent to the Procurator Fiscal. This article is by Sarah Campbell. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, Archer Hill Road, Glasgow's Knightswood incident sparks multi-emergency response as one man arrested. By Sarah Pacciaroni, multimedia reporter. An incident in the west end of Glasgow sparked a multi-emergency response this morning as cops arrested one man. Officers were called to Archer Hill Road at 4am this morning after reports of concern for a person. Social media reports told of an ambulance and fire engine also on the scene. One resident wrote, I woke up to armed response fire engines, fire cars, ambulance, etc., all right outside my house. Another resident claimed they received a message from the local nursery school advising that the road had been closed by officers. Police Scotland confirmed they attended an incident around 4am on February the 9th and that a man had been arrested. The Scottish Fire and Rescue Service also confirmed two fire engines were in attendance. A Police Scotland spokesperson said, we were called to a report of a concern for pe- for a person around 4am on Wednesday 9th of February at a property in Archer Hill Road, Glasgow. Officers attended and a 40-year-old man has been wa- arrested in connection with the incident. There was no threat to the wider public. A Scottish Fire and Rescue sp- Service spokesperson said, 
We were alerted at 5.23am on Wednesday, February the 9th, to reports of an incident in Archer Hill Road, Glasgow. Operations Control mobilised two fire engines to the location and firefighters remained on standby until emergency partners resolved the incident and the area was made safe. And that report was by Sarah Pacioroni. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section... Drunk Casamilk OEP tried to leap from moving cop car. Article is an exclusive by Catriona Stewart. A pensioner with an otherwise clean criminal record spent the day drinking before trying to leap from a moving police vehicle and attacking two cops. Andy Taylor punched one officer to the body and kicked the other in the groin during the struggle. His defence brief said that the 74-year-old can't explain his behaviour on the day in question. Deputy Fiscal Conor McIntyre told Glasgow Sheriff Court of the events of August the 30th last year. It was around 12.40am when the police were called to Langside Road due to reports of a man having fallen over. Mr McIntyre said, Police observed the accused to be staggering on the road. The accused informed the police he had been drinking all day and that he had fallen and hit his head. The accused agreed that he would be conveyed to Glasgow Royal Infirmary. But during the course of the car journey to hospital, while in Castle Street, Taylor changed his mind and tried to get out of the moving panda car. As officers tried to stop him, he became aggressive and punched one of the police officers in the body and kicked the second cop in the groin. Taylor, from Castle Milk, was arrested and, after being checked over at the hospital, was taken home. His lawyer said, he has no recollection of the incident and had a bump to the head. This was completely out of character and he's ashamed of his behaviour and can't explain it, except for the amount of alcohol he had taken. He is 74 years old and has never been in trouble before. He wishes to apologise to the court. Sheriff Bernard Ablett deferred sentencing Taylor for 12 months to allow him to be of good behaviour. He said, You've reached the age of 74 without being convicted of any offence whatsoever. Up to that point, you have been of good behaviour. I accept that this is entirely out of character for you, but you kicked an officer and punched another. The police, you must appreciate, are entitled to go about their job without being attacked by members of the public. Had there been injuries, I would have to dealt with this matter in a different way. And that article was an exclusive by Catriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, City of Glasgow College Maritime Student Receives Top Industry Award. Report by Esther Tarnay. A Manor House student has received a top award by the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency. Gregor Connor, City of Glasgow College HNC Nautical Science student, has been named Officer Trainee of the Year. He was recognised at the UK Chamber of Shipping Annual Dinner on Monday, February the 7th. The award was collected on his behalf as he's currently at sea, working with Pino Ferries as a fourth engineer. The 29-year-old said, There's a piece of advice I was given, which has always stuck with me. Become passionate about it and it becomes easier to learn. Speaking about his nomination and win, Gregor said, It's great to be recognised and rewarded for all the efforts and hard work I put in throughout my cadetship. I want to say thank you to everyone who helped me during my college and sea phases, 
and also the curriculum head at Glasgow City College, Duvra Kumar, for nominating me and for all his help during my cadetship. Winning the MCEA Officer Training Year for the Award 2020 is not only a great personal achievement, but is also good for future employment as an indication of my work ethic. Paul Little, Principal and Chief Executive at City of Glasgow College, said, This is an outstanding achievement for Gregor and a resounding endorsement of his hard work and determination. Our college is responsible for training almost half of the UK's Merchant Navy officers and this accolade reflects highly on the quality of our excellent maritime courses and the encouragement of our students by our specialist lecturers. Gregor Connor was inspired to join the maritime industry after seeing friends and family working at sea. And that was a report by Esther Tarnay. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, Glasgow weather, snow forecast amid Met Office Yale weather warning, by Sarah Pacioroni, multimedia reporter. Glasgow is due to be hit by snow between today and tomorrow, the Met Office is predicting with a yellow warning for snow in place between 4pm on Wednesday and 11am on Thursday, the weather service is forecasting showers will fall as snow to quite low levels this evening. Although the warning is narrowly missing the city at the moment, Glasgow is listed in the areas affected by the bad weather. The Met Office is also warning of icy roads and that railways could be affected with disruption to travel as a result. And that was a news piece by Sarah Pacioroni. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, Man caught with cannabis in canvas line home told cops, I'm guilty. This article is an exclusive by Katrina Stewart. A man caught growing cannabis to sell chose to defend himself in court. On December 21st, 2020, police turned up at the home of Patrick Trainer around 2.15pm. Deputy Fiscal Conor McIntyre told Glasgow Sheriff Court how a search of the property uncovered a cannabis cultivation. Trainer had invited police into the house while saying, I'm guilty, I'm growing cannabis, it's mine. The 62-year-old took officers to the garage of the campus line property and provided access to where they, found, where they found four plants. The court heard the plants were worth £5 and dried cannabis worth £2,200. Sheriff Bernard Abbott explained to Trainer that there are two proceedings running in parallel regarding this case. As well as the criminal charges against him, the Crown is seeking a confiscation order that could see Trainer forced to pay up. Sheriff Ablett said, You might want to obtain some advice in relation to these proceedings. The Crown will be seeking an order for an amount of money. The Sheriff called for criminal justice social work reports to be collected and a restriction of liberty order assessment carried out to see if Trainer would be suitable for a tag. The case was deferred for reports. And that article is an exclusive by Katrina Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, Man jailed after Great Western Road party in Glasgow by Katrina Stewart. A man was given 14 days in jail for breach of bail after being at a party with a man he was banned from seeing. Glasgow Sheriff Court heard that Jordan McCormick, who also goes by Savage, was granted bail on June 24th, 2019 with orders not to approach Thomas Jerry. But on May 5th, 2020, the 26-year-old was caught at a party in Great Western Road flat where Mr Jerry was also present. His defence brief said, 
On the night this happened, he was having a party. The Great Western Road address is used by the Council for Housing Young Homeless People. The lawyer described how the flats were often used for parties and would spill over into neighbouring properties. He added, They had a relationship and Mr Jerry found out about the party and turned up. The two were intoxicated and did not have much contact. McCormick was jailed for four years for a serious assault on his father. The court heard that his dad, Stephen Savage, died in September 2020 in unrelated circumstances. Sheriff Bernard Ablett said, I thought I dealt with a case involving you last year and I can assure you I put that out of my head when deciding on an appropriate disposal today. The sheriff sentenced McCormick to £200 fine, but been unable to pay, he will serve 14 days in prison instead. And that article is an exclusive Pikachu on Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, MBE for boss of Glasgow's Milk Bank, Scotland, Pikachu on a shirt. At the helm of Glasgow's Milk Bank, the world's only nationwide service, is David, Debbie Barnett, who has just been awarded an MBE for her efforts. Debbie joined the Milk Bank in 2009 and, under her stewardship, it is going to serve the whole of Scotland. No matter where in Scotland a baby is born, the child will be able to receive donor milk from the Glasgow Centre. Debbie, who received her gong at the Palace of Holyrood House, said, No baby is disadvantaged depending on where they are born. The benefits of breast milk are well documented and we are learning more and more about the health benefits it provides right into adulthood. There's a greater understanding of the implications for long-term health in general. It's about the effect on the gut, especially in the early days and weeks. There's a whole science behind it. There's so much research out there and we know so much more than even five years ago. Many of the donors at the milk bank start off as recipients who know all too well how vital the service is. It can act as a stopgap while the mother establishes her own supply of milk. Debbie added, Natalie's support is vital in establishing breastfeeding. My team and I feel incredibly lucky to be doing what we do. It's actually a privilege. They're also dedicated to what they do. We often get great feedback from mums, sometimes years later, thanking us for our advice and support. That's how we do what we do, even in the days when we have worries with deliveries not arriving or supplies running low. The service is always looking for more donors, especially as donations dropped during the pandemic. Debbie said, Supplies rose during the pandemic with more mums at home unable to express. Now, like other milk banks in England for example, we have seen a drop and we are not sure why. Breast milk changes over time, so the milk a woman produces when her baby is two months old is different from that of the baby is a year old. But all breast milk is good and we have expanded our criteria and now accept milk up to when our baby is two years old. Sometimes older milk can be even better for small babies as it tends to have more proteins and calories, so helps them gain weight. We would love to hear from more women who are interested in getting involved. If you think you could become a donor, then call the service on 0141 232 7973. And that article is by Catriona Stewart. From the Glasgow Times, Wednesday the 9th of February 2022, from the news section, McGill's and SBT halt Lanarkshire service after mindless vandalism to buses. 
Article by Syria Pacheroni, multimedia reporter. A bus company has halted some of its Lanarkshire services after repeated mindless vandalism to its vehicles. McGill's has announced its 165 evening service will no longer stop in the Spring Hall area of Rutherglen after Yob smashed bus windows by throwing bricks and stones at buses on three different occasions, Lanarkshire Live reports. Amid safety concerns for drivers and passengers, transport buses decided the service will no longer run through Cookin Road near Spring Hall Community Centre. The service, operated on behalf of SPT, will now be diverted through the Cathkin Bypass and East Kilbride Road between Cullens Road and Western Road. However, this means some residents can be completely cut off from the service. A concerned local told Lanarkshire Live, it's getting really bad in Spring Hall at the moment. It's not a surprise this has happened. The 65 daytime service is still running, but I've heard there's been a couple of incidents happening there too. It's people who have to use public transport and don't have any other options that will suffer the most. Rutherland South Councillor Robert Brown hopes the service will be restored soon. He said, These incidents are deplorable. It is simply not acceptable that bus drivers and passengers alike should be put in fear like this by the stupid actions of a small number of reckless individuals. Local residents in Spring Hall, particularly older people, will suffer too by the withdrawal of the 165 bus service from Crooken Road. I am grateful to the police and council authorities for their support in tackling this. With public support, we can end this problem quickly and allow the bus service to be restored. Rutherland MSP Claire Hawhey called the repeated vandalism of buses utterly reckless and raised fears for the area's most vulnerable residents. She added, The selfish vandals have shown no thought for the safety of drivers and passengers. They have no regard for people in Spring Hall reliant on the 165 service who are now affected by the understandable decision to halt the service. Councillor Carol Nugent and I have written to the local police to see what actions they are taking to tackle such behaviour and they have our full support in doing so. SPT said it takes the safety of all bus passengers and drivers very seriously and that mindless vandalism to buses will not be tolerated. An SPT spokesperson said, as we, have said as we have previously, where there is dangerous behaviour, we will suspend services for the safety of all those travelling. It is always unfortunate when we are forced to do this, as we know it has a major impact on some of our most vulnerable and disadvantaged communities. We are working closely with local councillors and with Police Scotland to identify those responsible for this totally unacceptable behaviour. A Police Scotland spokesperson confirmed officers were aware of antisocial behaviour affecting the bus service in recent weeks. She told Lanarkshire Live, We are working with the operators to address the issues and identify anyone committing an offence. Such behaviour is irresponsible and we would encourage anyone involved to consider the possible consequences of their actions. Anyone with information about the incidents should call police at Rutherglen via telephone number 101. And that article is by Sarah Pacheroni. Evening Times, February 9. The secret Glasgow taxi driver says, Ouija's traffic moans always get the green light. There's some days traffic really can be the talk of the tune. Transport must be right up there with the weather for things us Ouija's love to blether about.
or should I say moan about? More often than not, it's rightfully so. Section of busy road to close for two weeks. Major train fault leaves city in chaos. Two headlines from yesterday's Glasgow Times, and that was only pages two and three. There's nothing that hacks people off quite as much as traffic delays. Bad weather is a contender, of course. Combine the two and you're in real trouble. What I do love is some of the go-to phrases of Glaswegians when it comes to talking about traffic issues. We hear these from the back of the cab every other day, such as, the traffic is murder the day. If traffic really was murder, it would be doing multiple life sentences, or at least a sentence longer than this one. That M8 is like a car park. If it was, you can bet the council would charge you to sit there. Our roads have more cones than an ice cream factory. I got 99 problems, but my cone ain't one. That new road layout is mental. Some guy in a suit in an office who has never driven in his life must have dreamt it up. Suit office guy is to blame for so many things. That pothole I hit the day was bigger than the Grand Canyon. An award-winning Ouija exaggeration. And on and on it goes. If the traffic ever gets me down, the patter of the punters lifts me back up. Now if you'll excuse me, I'm away for an ice cream. Perfect weather for it. Stay safe, says the secret Glasgow taxi driver. Evening Times, February 9. Remembering Glasgow's lamplighters in days before electricity came to the town. By Michael Gallagher, Glasgow City Archives. We take it for granted, but it is a subject worth shedding some light on. The first street lamps in Glasgow, cone-shaped oil lanterns, were thought to have been erected in 1717. There were so few of them, and the light they provided was so weak, however, that the city was still hard to circumnavigate without moonlight. The town council recognised the problem in 1767, expressing the opinion that more lamps would be good for its citizens, but the lack of public funds limited the action it could take. Lighting of streets eventually became a statutory duty in 1800, although the legislation had a narrow scope and was never taken particularly seriously. In 1815, the staff of Glasgow's lighting department consisted of a superintendent and 11 lamplighters, reduced to two during the summertime. The advent of gas lighting improved the situation greatly. In September 1818, Glasgow lit its first gas lamp. The previous year, the Glasgow Gas Light Company was formed by Act of Parliament and authorised to manufacture gas for the city. This was a joint venture between the corporation and private investors 
and proved extremely profitable, coming fully under municipal control in 1869. By that point, the Glasgow Corporation had been granted the power to erect and maintain lamps in all public and private streets, illuminate all turret clocks and city timepieces, and establish a department under the control of an inspector of lighting. The progress did not please everyone, however. One account lamented the improvements because they removed forever the opportunity for those many strange adventures which had occurred in tall tenements entered by unlighted and narrow stairs and which had been due to the want of compulsory and systemic lighting in the city. In 1870, the department employed 294 men to look after the city's 10,657 lamps. By 1900, this increased to 710 men and 19,418 lamps. And by the outbreak of World War I, 1,050 men maintained more than 25,000 lamps. By the turn of the century, electricity was becoming a major source of illumination. To meet demand, the city opened two new generating stations in 1900, Port Dundas in the north and Eglinton Toll in the south, whilst the independent boroughs of Partick and Govan also erected their own. For much of the 20th century, Glasgow was lit by both gas and electricity, and in 1960, the corporation still employed 617 lamp lighters. In 1971, the last remaining gas street lamp on North Portland Street was ceremoniously lit by Lord Provost Sir Donald Liddell. The flame flickered into life and eventually dimmed, and with it went an illuminating part of Glasgow's history. Report by Michael Gallagher from the Glasgow City Archives. And that was this week's Glasgow Times News podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>